Hi, Michelle Florendo here, and welcome to Ask a Decision Engineer. Listen in and find out how to untangle big decisions with less stress and more clarity. In today's episode, you'll hear from someone who is contemplating whether he should start his own thing or seek out a job. He's trying to discern whether entrepreneurship is something he will actually enjoy, or if it's just something he thinks he should do, given the culture he's surrounded by. And then there are also all those uncertainties that each path holds. Listen in. Okay. And so why don't you start by describing the the decision or challenge that you're facing right now? Sure, sure, sure. So a few months ago, I left my previous company because I was interested in, you know, the, the idea of starting my own business, whether it would be some sort of small business, consulting business, startup, had intrigued me for a really long time. So I left my previous company to explore that and see if it's something that I really wanted to do. And that's sort of where I'm struggling today is there are these moments where I'm very excited about starting something by myself. Mm-hmm. And then there are moments where I feel unsure about it for a variety of reasons, whether it's because I think it's not necessarily, it doesn't align necessarily with my skill set the best or my personality the best, or whether or not it's, you know, maybe it's something I really don't want to do, but there's this part of me that is ego driven that is telling me, hey, this is something you should do, right? Mm-hmm. This is something that will make you happy when, when maybe it actually won't make me happy. And that's kind of where, where I've been for the last few months. Here, we have someone who is sorting out how he feels about the prospect of starting his own thing, but is feeling ambivalent about it. On one hand, sometimes the idea excites him, but on the other hand, he wonders whether this is a true desire internally or something external to him is telling him he should do this. Okay. Um, I want to unpack what you said earlier around the fact that starting something on your own has been something you've been considering for a while. And so tell me more about what's attractive about that prospect. Yeah. So I guess when I thought about this initially, I mean, I think a lot of folks have this dream of, of running their own company when they're, you know, starting from when they're young. And I think, you know, for me, it was at first, uh, yeah, I really want to run my own business and be in charge and that sort of thing. I want to have freedom and autonomy and, you know, I want there to be some, you know, opportunity for like outsized financial gain. I think there, there has been some time to validate that through my previous job experience, which was at a really small company. Mm. And I think in that, in that environment, I was, I was fairly senior, you know, being someone who was fairly senior was something that I really enjoyed. I enjoyed not having to deal with the politics of having difficulty getting things done, being able to really steer the direction of the business and make an impact helping to grow a team and, and foster a specific culture. All that stuff was like really exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's stuff that I really enjoyed a lot of. Of course, I still think there are those other things as well. You know, definitely the idea of financial freedom or outsized financial returns is exciting. And wow. then flexibility as well. Hmm. Uh, but not all of those paths lead to all of those things, right? The different businesses will, will ultimately cover different areas of this, right? Hmm. You know we'll have a better chance of, of, of achieving these goals differently, right? And so of the things that you mentioned, what would you say are the, the biggest driving factors behind this desire to want to start something new? 
Right, right. So right now, I think, and, and part of this is actually something that I'm kind of also struggling with as well. I like this, the, I think being, not having to deal with politics and having an opportunity to really impact an organization and being very, you know, sort of very senior in a business, basically running the business is something that is driving me in that direction. Hmm. At the same time, there is a big part of me that is drawn towards financial freedom and having a flexible lifestyle. And so that I'm trying to understand for myself how much that is, not necessarily how important that is to me because I believe that that, that is important to me, but mm-hmm. whether or not I'm being greedy and expecting that to come in the next five years versus the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, and I say that by saying, okay, there is a, if I decide I want to be a consultant or, you know, do some sort of independent work, mm-hmm. whatever that may be, coaching, consulting, business strategy, whatever it is, right? Yeah. That may lead to a more flexible lifestyle mm-hmm. much sooner. But the opportunity for, and there's still an opportunity for outsized financial returns, but it's not, you know, it's not quite the same. Probably it won't necessarily be the same as doing like a startup, right? Right. I mean, certainly it's possible, but, but it's, it's not like the, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't choose that path to make a lot of money. I would choose that mm-hmm. path for the potential for, for having a, a job that is a lifestyle opportunity. Yeah. Right. So versus like, if I'm thinking, you know, the startup has an opportunity to put, give me a, a better lifestyle where I can literally do anything if the startup succeeds in a few years, mm. 10 years, whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. You bring up an interesting point around not only what are the things that you're seeking, but along what timeline and that there are little sub-options even right. underneath this starting something on your own. I'm also curious about what are some of the, you named some of them earlier, but what are some of the concerns you have with going down these various paths underneath this starting your own thing? Notice what I'm doing here. First, I asked him about what made each option attractive. Now I'm asking about what makes each option concerning. Whenever you feel ambivalent about a decision, it's useful to get crystal clear about what are the objectives you are trying to achieve. By articulating what is attractive and what is concerning, you can begin to see patterns emerge about what it is that you value in the outcome. Right, yeah. So I think this is an example that I, that I had shared before where there's, there are parts of me that feel that this doesn't necessarily, starting a business doesn't necessarily align with my personality in, mm. in certain ways. And so there was, there are times where I'm extremely excited. And I'm like, this is an idea that I really want to pursue. And I think this idea has a lot of potential. And then I ended up watching a lecture from some startup program about, Hey, this is what it takes for these companies to succeed. This is what we see. These are the characteristics we see in founders and so on. And there was something like, you know, be ready to dedicate the next 10 years of your life and, you know, and really be grinding for 10 years. And yeah, I know this, but hearing that again is something that was like a little bit scary. And it's like, Hey, maybe I don't want to do that. Maybe this isn't really something I want to do. And so that kind of says, well, am I only trying to start a business because am I only trying to do a startup because I think I'm going to be 
you know, I, you know, I think I have to, I think it's like for my ego in order mm-hmm. to do that. But in reality, like my personality is better suited towards some other route, whether it's a, a different sort of independent career path or working for a company or something like that, where I can be more, you know, flexible or sorry, where, where I don't have to necessarily grind as, as much or have as much pressure or whatever else it is. So, you know, that's one example. The other example that I mentioned was about, you know, being able to, sometimes I feel like I can operate really effectively when there is a lot of structure. Mm-hmm. Um, even though in my previous job, I was able to succeed in moments where there was no structure at all. Sometimes I do feel like I perform better in, in, in times where there's a lot of structure. So am I just ignoring that because I'm trying to like say, Hey, I, I you know, I really need to start my own company because I, you know, this is like an ego thing. Would I be better off just sort of like working for for somebody else and you know having some more security around that? I'm really intrigued because he has mentioned a couple times already this concept of ego. What I'm hearing is that some of the push and pull is coming from what feels like different voices in his head, which is pretty common. It's like that Pixar movie, Inside Out, where there's an itty bitty committee in your head each with different motivations, each with its own opinion about what you should do next. If you've ever felt the push and pull of the different voices on your itty-bitty committee, one of the most useful things you can do is name them, observe them without judgment, and try to understand them. I want to hear more about this ego thing, because I find that, you know, when we, we talk about is this just my ego? There's like a little bit of judgment in there. Like, like ego is a bad thing. And so I just want to probe into like, what is there behind that? Like, where's this force coming from that says like, oh, you should start your own company? That's the thing. It's like, I don't know. You know, I think there, there are so many times in which we, especially being someone who has had family who, who you know, being, being growing up in a very sort of driven environment, right? Mm. You think that you're supposed to be the best at this and, and all these other things. And there's a lot of cultural stuff involved in that as well. And I think, you know, having that, taking that time to reflect on myself and think about, well, what is the, how much of this is really something that is good for me versus something that I, I feel like I've been, I have some expectation to live up to, whether mm. it's my own expectation or the expectation of others. At this point, it's just my own expectation, yeah. potentially, you know, created by my environment or whatever. Right. But that's, Right. And, and, I, and I'm sure this is something you see probably a ton. Right. <laughs> and so like dealing with that and trying to, to, to sort of dissect what is what is my actual desires versus what is sort of like this thing that my expectation of myself when I should not necessarily have my expectation should be to do something that is fulfilling or to be happy, not necessarily to achieve some status that I think I need. And so being able to figure out what that is, is something that's that's challenging for me on, on the ego side. My expectation should be to do something that is fulfilling or to be happy, not necessarily to achieve some status that I think I need. Wow, what a powerful realization. As a coach for type A professionals who are super driven and used to achieving and achieving because that's what they believe they're supposed to do, I see so many of my clients struggle to discern what it is that serves their own needs versus what it is they feel they should want. I want to, I want to skip ahead into the future for a little bit, because I think like right now it's useful to get into this analytical space of teasing out like, okay, what are the drivers? What, what's going on? But I just want to hear, 
because he also mentioned like five years, 10 years. If you're to imagine life, let's say five years from now. Right. I don't want you to think about what job you're doing, but I want you to describe what does it feel like? Like if you're, oh. like if you're in doing the ideal, and I put that in air quotes, ideal thing in five years, what does that feel like for you? What does it feel like? So not what am I doing, but how do I feel? This is an exercise I often use with clients who are unsure of what it is they want to do in the future because it refocuses them on the parts of the decision problem that they usually do know more about. When it comes to deeply personal decisions about what we want to do in life, the things we do, the assets we attain, the relationships we build, all end up supporting us to feel the way we want to feel. What feelings are most important? To feel happy, free, loved, secure, accomplished, significant? Think about that question for you. What is it that you want to feel? And what is it that you find is most important about how you want to feel? Okay, so I think, I mean, the biggest thing for me is I would want to feel, I mean, it's easy to say fulfilled is such like a, I would want to feel fulfilled, certainly. Tell me more about uh, what that means for you. Yeah, I, I think I, right now I'm thinking that means that I feel like financially I have done, I am satisfied with where I am financially. Mm-hmm. And why but is that I important? The problem with that is there's part of me that feels like, like what does satisfied mean, right? Uh, part of me feels like I don't, I don't want to be there looking back and be like, man, you know what? I, I could have, I could have, I could have done more with this. Right. Mm. And even though I've made some money and probably pretty decent money, if I went out and got a job, I could have done, I could be in a different position where I have more flexibility or I was on a path to flexibility or, or something. I don't want to have, so, okay, here's, I don't want to be regretful. I don't want to be regretful Mm -hmm. that, that I missed out on an opportunity in the past that I, I don't want to feel like, you know what? I was too scared to do that thing. And I, and I should have done it. Mm. Right. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to feel that way. And then the worst possible scenario would be that, you know, I go down this route of, of the, the safer route and it ends up turning into some, you know, some, which is not un, impossible, but it could mm-hmm. also be that I could go down the safe route and, and, and the, the, the places I choose to work end up not being successful. And, and that would be the worst possible scenario. Mm-hmm. So, so I think, I think that's much less likely to have happen, but it's, it, that would be really bad. Okay. Now this is, this is getting interesting, like fast forwarding into the future and checking in on how you would feel about things. Like what you said, you don't want to be regretful about being too scared to, to exercise some option or go down a certain path. You mentioned that you want to feel satisfied financially. And then the, the piece around flexibility also came up again. And so I'm, yeah. I'm just asking all these questions from different yeah. angles to see what are the things that keep bubbling up. Yeah. 
One question I do have around, I guess it's both the financial piece and the flexibility piece. What are they for? Yeah, so I, I like, I like, I like being able to do nice things. And what are those things? Yeah, like to travel or drive a nice car or something like that, or live in a, I don't need to live in a big place, but a nice place, or basically feel like I have the freedom to, mm. there's something like preventing me from being able to do something that I might, that I might want to do okay. from a financial standpoint. I think I've decided in my life that I don't necessarily need to be like a, you know, a billionaire, right? Like I think when I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to be a billionaire, but now, but I, I do want to have, I do want to have financial freedom. And I know that that's different for everyone, but you know, yeah. I do want to feel like I, I don't have to worry about, about money. Okay. All right. So you mentioned, okay. When you talked about like the worst thing that could happen is if you go the safer route and it ends up that the companies are not successful. Whenever I have clients who are choosing between options that have uncertainties, that can play out in a number of ways. When I have more time with them, I might map out a decision tree. In this case, he has already started thinking about best case scenarios and worst case scenarios. And given the limited amount of time I have with him, I'll lead him through a two by two matrix exercise, which is a shortcut analysis I've developed that hits on some of the same things that might be covered in a decision tree. If you want to learn more about either of these tools, go to askadecisionengineer.com and sign up for the email list, because that's where I share about additional resources I create that go into more detail about these tools. Right. <laughs> I have to admit what that prompted in my mind is like this two by two matrix that I sometimes do with people when they're thinking about two different things. And basically it's you know, if we go the start something route versus, and so it sounds like, you know, if you're not going to start something, you'd go and work for a company. Right. This is just like really reductionist or I'm like really oversimplifying things, but sure. in other words, go find a job. Right. Yeah. Sometimes that's what people call it. And okay. So <laughs> I don't know if you can see this. Yeah, I can see that. My two by two matrix. Yeah. And uh, so we think about the possibility of starting something and I want to know what would be the best case scenario, the worst case scenario. And then if you choose to go find a job, what would be the best case scenario and the worst case scenario? So right. you already said, if you were to just go the safer route. Right. The worst case scenario, like the scenario that would make you feel like that regret, like I should have done the other thing is you said if the company is not successful or tell me more about like what is the situation in which if you choose that choice and things play out like in what way would it make you feel like ah oh, I should have done the other thing sure 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 I think there would be if I if I ended up just being sort of like moderately successful hmm. right I mean and anything below that would feel would be would would be frustrating if I also was not successful. Like one of the things I told myself was if I did something, if I ended up you know getting a job, that I would also make sh do whatever I could to have stuff on the side, hmm. where okay. whether it's investing in other areas or whatever have you, but to have something on the side. Now that again that that would require a lot of work, right? Because I'm doing two jobs essentially, mm -hmm. but there's some security around collecting a you know whatever 
collecting a W-2. And so that if I were to just sort of be, you know, moderately successful without having success inside investments, to me, anything below that to me would be the worst case scenario, because I would still be not living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, obviously you don't, it's, that wouldn't necessarily be the case, but I would still be in a situation where there's a fear of, of the future financially. Mm. You know, my job could be automated. My job could, I could be aged out. I, you know, there are all these other things that could happen. Right. And so mm-hmm. there would be this, really this sense of underachievement, mm. right. That really this feeling of like underachievement, that would be the worst. Okay. Yeah. So flipping things, what would a situation look like in which you choose to go find a job and you think like, oh, that was the best decision ever. So glad that I chose that. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, I haven't, this is an interesting exercise. I haven't, I haven't thought about, I haven't thought about doing it this way. Hmm. Um, I, I guess I, there, there are a number of things I could see. I mean, if, if I felt, if I got a job that was really, really sort of fit my expertise, mm. where, there, where there wasn't a ton of politicking, where I had a semi-flexible schedule in, in the sense that at least I, you know, I wasn't like you know, working 14-hour days. Mm. The money was pretty good, and I was able to, I mean, in it, this is like the absolute perfect scenario, right, where yeah. the money was very good, and I was, you know, and I either didn't need to or was able to do stuff on, you know, investments on the side. Okay. Right? That would be like the, oh my God, this is like, and there are, you know, there are, there are different levels of that, obviously, where, but, but that would be like, yeah, wow. Okay. This was such a good decision. All right. So let's go to the, the like other choice of starting something or like one of those starting something choices. Yeah. What, what would make you, well, describe the situation in which You'd feel like, oh gosh, I should not. Why did I do this? Why I should have just gone and gotten the job? Right. I think the the situation where that happens is, I start a business that just gets by, and just gets by for a long time. Mm. And if it's something, if it's something where it's a startup, and I'm, you know, you know, and I think I mentioned this before, if I if I take, if I take outside money, I have a fiduciary responsibility to my investors to do everything mm-hmm. I can to protect their money, which I would absolutely do. But that would mean oftentimes you are in this place where the company is not really succeeding and you're, you're just grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding away just to make sure that, that, you know, th- that your investors and your, and your employees are, have jobs or your investors get their money back and your employees have jobs mm-hmm. where if it was your, your, your own money, you would almost just be like, I'm out, pick up and walk away, but you kind of can't. So, mm-hmm. so being in that situation that lasts for seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, mm-hmm. that would be like, that would be the worst for me. I would be like, Oh my God, that was, that was terrible. So if you get, it's just getting by and you're locked into it because you took investor money and it lasts for a decade. Going yeah. back to what you said about that whole, the, the thing you heard in the video about like, you got to be ready for that grind for like 10 years. And you're yeah. Like, uh, I don't think so. Yeah, exactly. It's so, and, and I think if it was going, if everything was going great and the company was growing and all these things and there was an exit on the horizon and all this stuff, that would, that would feel very different, 
right? Mm -hmm. That would be something I would have no problem doing. But I, I just hear a lot of, you know, I meet with folks, there are a lot, most people that are still doing this, they fall into that range. Some mm -hmm. people, they, they leave, you know, their business goes away early, but a lot of people sort of fall into that range. And that's a tricky, that's a challenging place to be. Yeah. Okay. And so go back to, I think you started describing it, the situation in which you're thinking, oh, yes, I am so glad that I chose to go this route, starting my own thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think if, if either it torpedoes, I think mm -hmm. if the business were to torpedo, that would be fine. Mm. I could say I scratched the itch and I couldn't do it. And it's, it's time to move on. If the business obviously does great, that, that would be, that would be fantastic. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, my the ideal obviously is that like the business does fantastic. It does fantastic very quickly. Right. And then, you know, <laughs> I don't know. You know so, and then yeah. within five years you have your, your financial freedom and your flexibility. Exactly. And whatever you want. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But that's, I mean, that's like the, the, the you know, that's the, the, the least, the, the least likely outcome, right, is that one. Right. Of all of the possible things that could possibly happen, right, that is, that is like close to the least likely outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's what that looks like. I wanted to pause and just see, like, what's coming up for you, especially since you mentioned you hadn't thought about doing this particular exercise, just like thinking through the edges, best case, worst case. Yeah. For each one. What are you, are you noticing anything? I'm noticing that the... The best case scenario for the situation where you get a job, it's actually pretty good. And it's not, it's not like that unlikely in the sense that it's, it's something that if it's something that seems like it's reasonably achievable to some degree, not necessarily the absolute best case where it's like totally, but th this situation where I'm doing well and I'm somewhat senior and I'm, have opportunities to invest on the side and whatever that that feels like it's 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 i can see that that seems that feels like somewhat reasonable to mm -hmm. achieve the the downside would be that yeah i'm still kind of working this i'm not the big downside is again yeah i'm just like not running my own schedule and and, and all that but i would be in a place where i feel like i'm i'm on a good path and i have some sense of financial freedom or i can see it on the horizon type of a thing yeah yeah, it seems easier than I, or not easier, but more, more realistic than I would have, I guess, anticipated, or I just never thought about it. What I find useful about exploring future scenarios, the best case, worst case, medium case, and the likelihood of each scenario, is that it sometimes prompts a client to see something that they hadn't considered before. Sometimes when we think about the future, we only pay attention to parts of the decision tree of possible outcomes. We might focus only on the downside of one option and the upsides of another. We might only focus on the future possible states without articulating how likely or unlikely they may be. Mapping out uncertainties and future outcomes on paper can give you a more comprehensive picture of the ways your objectives could or possibly could not be fulfilled. Yeah, I feel like with, with the different things that we've talked about so far in this conversation, at the beginning, I was really trying to uh, tease out what are your objectives, 
right? Because yeah. so all decisions have three components. They're your objectives. What are the things that you're trying to achieve in the outcome? You know, it's, it's useful to be able to identify what are some of those key objectives that rise to the top in terms of highest priority, both now and in the future. And also, it's not just what are they. Oh, flexibility, financial freedom, but really defining what are the edges, right? What is the point at which things might shift um, or tip the scales to, oh yeah, this is, if I can achieve this level of whatever, that is something I would be totally happy with versus if not, not really going to work. Or I might start feeling that sense of regret. And then there are your options. I know here we talked about generally two different options, but I think we both recognize and you had mentioned there are kind of sub options in between. Right. And hopefully after this conversation, you can think of, you know, are there ways that you can create other options that kind of hedge against the worst case scenario, improve the probability of some of the things that you're looking for. Right. And then there's the information piece on how different options might deliver on your objectives. And, you know, some things can be researched. It takes a little while, but I think some exploration there would be interesting. I think also because sometimes, I mean, there's this level of uncertainty, right? Like, are things going to play out? Am I going to be able to achieve that level of things? It might be useful to reflect on, there's no way we can predict the future <laughs> with 100% certainty. Right. And so, you know, what is, what is enough such that you still feel good about the decision no matter what the outcome might be. That's a hard one, but sometimes a useful one because sometimes when we get stuck, it's in the, well, it would be so clear if I just knew. How you can start mapping these things out is through a decision matrix. And so that's where we worked with the, I mean, like, <laughs> it's like, I, a, I, like a consultant's Harvey Ball chart basically. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, where you have like your different options and objectives. And you can start assessing of some of these different options that I'm considering to what degree. Mm -hmm. And I do recommend using Harvey balls rather than like ratings ratings are just kind of like false sense of precision and that these Harvey balls are a little more visual. You can get a holistic picture. Okay. Um, and it'll probably, I, it's not going to give you a clear choice, but it'll probably tell you where like the big trade-offs are. Yeah. And then mapping out a decision tree around, like, I think what's interesting is that there's, if you think about stage gating these decisions, okay. like how, how long are you willing to do something Right. in order to get the information you need to make a new decision. Yeah, this, this was great. Thank you for doing this, systematizing it, being able to give me some sort of direction around, you know, how do I write things down and develop a system to help me make decisions? I think oftentimes it's just all in your head and that becomes difficult to, you know, organize and, and, and really make thoughtful decisions with. And you really were able to ask, you really asked a lot of really, interesting questions that really made me think about, hey, this is really a different way to, to approach this, or wow, I haven't thought about it this way, and, and, and got me to consider a bunch of other stuff. So yeah, that was, that was great. Today's episode touched on a number of different feelings, the excitement of a new path, and the doubts around whether it will pan out. 
the questioning around how much our desires are a result of the culture we've been surrounded by, or if deep down inside, we actually want something else. When we feel like we are swimming in an ocean of thoughts and feelings, it can be extremely useful to get those thoughts down on paper in a structured way. Consider doing a brain dump and categorizing things into the three components, objectives, options, and information. Use a decision matrix to organize what comes to mind with those three components. Perhaps try to map out different options and scenarios onto a decision tree so that you can make sure you are exploring all branches fairly. Structure can help you make better sense of all the inputs you have so that you can see things more clearly. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you heard something today that you found helpful, please share this episode or write a review. Also, if you're interested in more resources on how to make decisions with less stress and more clarity, go to askadecisionengineer.com to sign up for the mailing list. I'll be teaching a class on decision analysis and emotional awareness in a few months, and my email list subscribers will be some of the first people who get updates on that. Again, this is Michelle Florendo from Ask a Decision Engineer. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.